Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dwell on Truth show. I'm Dan Bodwin. And I'm Brenton Powers. And it is such a blessing to have you join us today as we go through the Word of God. We have been going through the Gospel of John, and the Gospels are the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, written down this one from the Apostle John. Today, we're going into chapter 17. We are reaching the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He has just finished the Last Supper, and this chapter is actually a prayer. There's another thing that we usually call the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That was a a model that he gave to the disciples when they said, tell us how to pray. But this is Jesus praying for the disciples, for the church. So we're going to kind of break it down. And there's, I think there's three sections in here um, in this prayer. And we're going to look at each one of those sections and what it teaches us separately. So when we look at verses one through five, we've got Jesus praying for himself to the Father. From verses 6 to 19, he's talking about the interests of the disciples, talking about their sanctification. And then finally, in verses 20 through 26, he's praying for the church, both the current church in the disciples, those who are following him, and in the church that's going to come. This chapter is very special to me. Mm. It's been 10 years since I taught this chapter. When I was a pastor of Calvary Chapel in Latvia, I just happened to be going through John. I was in John chapter 17, Mm. my last Sunday teaching. God was moving us on, but I actually taught it at the church that our church joined. So we merged two churches together. Jesus, in this stage of his ministry, he just finished this discipleship process, several Mm. chapters, just focusing on these disciples pouring into them because he's departing, uh, I felt there were a lot of parallels for me. As someone who's discipled others, there comes a time when you just need to entrust them to the Lord. You've done what God's called you to do. And then prayer is a way of lifting others up. We pray regularly that God would use us to help you to draw closer to God, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, to help you and encourage you and, and convince you to take that next step, whatever it is, of walking by faith. And so prayer is a way of expressing your faith. And I love Jesus's high priestly prayer here mm. because he, as our high priest, this is his prayer interceding for us. And I think if there's any place in the Bible where it talks about us as believers, mm-hmm. it's in this chapter. It Jesus does. mentions Dan and Brenton in, yeah. <laughs> in, in verse 20. Yes. <laughs> so stay tuned and you'll see how this is definitely very relevant to Amen. anyone who wants to have a relationship relationship with God. And we hope that, we wish that for you guys. And some in our audience aren't even Christians. What are they going to get out of a chapter on prayer? They're not praying people. Well, we want to encourage you to become someone who has a relationship with God through Jesus. Yes. Let's go ahead and start in verse one, address the first five verses and move on from there. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify 
me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Mm. I just love that verse. That's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible and one of my favorite passages. What about it makes it your favorite? Well, particularly as an evangelist, as someone who talks to people about the person of Jesus Christ, one of the biggest questions is, who is this Jesus person? Mm -hmm. I mean, who is he really? We ask this of you guys. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? And this defines it. That particular couple of verses makes it impossible for us to make the claim that Jesus was just a good moral teacher or just one guru among many. Um, He's saying, glorify me in your own presence. Glorify me at your side um, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus Christ, God the Son, existed before the world existed Mm -hmm. in relationship with and sharing the glory of the Father. That's a big statement. And he was telling this to his disciples. I bet some of them were shocked at the way he expressed that. The pre-existence of Jesus that Mm -hmm. the whole book of John starts with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the beginning was the Word before anything was created. and Everything was created through him. So Mm -hmm. he existed in advance. I think people who maybe read the Bible for the first time and don't really have a biblical worldview would say, why is Jesus saying, glorify me? Like, that seems kind of selfish, like, give me honor and glory. Mm -hmm. But actually, if you look at who Jesus is, he came from heaven, humbled himself Mm -hmm. to be found in the appearance of a man. Now he's getting ready to return to the Father to the same glory that he had before, but with even more glory with these new believers now that are going to be preaching his name all over the world. That's glory on a whole nother level. really is. Like we talked about in our last radio show, The Hero's Journey. He comes from heaven to earth, humbles himself, he accomplishes his mission, and then he returns to where he came from, from heaven, uh, having changed the world. That's the big picture, the big story. There's also some good theological truths in this prayer that I think we can mine out of. It's really Mm -hmm. a gold mine of theological, practical, relational, devotional, transformational, missional insight that we have into Jesus's heart as he's speaking directly to the Father. So maybe that's my first point that I would make from verse one is Jesus lifts up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, even in the Lord's prayer, he teaches his disciples, when you pray, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom. Who are we praying to? Really? We need to think yeah, about that. It's not just yeah. putting words up in the air, but there is a God that is listening. And Jesus being God, the Son of God, he's praying to God the Father. Mm-hmm. So sometimes Muslims or Mormons would mock and say, who is Jesus praying to himself? Yeah. Is God, does God have a God? Who is he praying to? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and it's, it's a legitimate question. There's an interesting kind of dichotomy there because in some ways we need to pray like Jesus, but in some ways Jesus Jesus can pray in a way that we never can. Exactly. Because yeah. because there's a unity of nature and of character and of understanding there between the Father and the Son. And that's a unity that existed has yeah. existed eternally. He's God and we're not. Exactly. Ex- exactly. But is it God praying to God? In one sense, yes. Yes. But it's God the Son praying to God the Father. Mm-hmm. One being, three persons. Three persons, three wills. So, yeah, communication between them is, is possible. And we see it throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And just to dwell on that word for a second, Trinity, it's not Mm -hmm. in the Bible. No, no. But it just comes from, you know, try, three, and unity. In this prayer, you see Jesus' unity with the Father. Mm -hmm. 
earlier, he said in chapter 10, I think, I and the Father are one. Mm -hmm. They're not the same person, but they're the same God. It's a mystery we can't fully comprehend, but we can apprehend it. Yeah, exactly. It's because the Bible teaches it clearly. And I'll sometimes tell people on the streets, well, you don't understand how it can be one God in three persons. Would you expect the eternal God of the universe to be to be someone who you could fully yeah. wrap your brain around? Would that really be God? Of course not. I yeah. mean, he's going to be beyond our beyond our comprehension. One quick note um, about posture in prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, verse one, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven. You could close your eyes. You can bow. You can pray while walking, while standing, while driving. If we're praying to our heavenly father, mm-hmm. is he up and we're down or where is God? Well, God is spiritual, so he's not in a particular direction. So, I think that it's more about the heart behind mm-hmm. the prayer. And this was the normal kind of motive address to God where they would go out there and stand and raise their hands yep. and raise their heads yep. and speak that way. We have a tendency more to bow our heads and close our eyes. And maybe that has something to do with the other passage where, you know, Jesus says, when you pray, essentially do not make it a show, but go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And maybe that's part of the reason for that change of, yeah. of, of aspect when we pray. He said, don't do it to be seen by Correct. Me, with that Correct. motive of, you know, people thinking you're, you're holy. Yeah. You know, unless you're doing it for attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with public prayer if it's done for the right motive. I agree. Like, you know, like we talked about, we're going to end the show today with praying because mm-hmm. Jesus is setting an example for us of praying to the Father. So, as Christians, we pray to the Father. I don't think it's unbiblical to pray to Jesus, though, since he is God. Mm-hmm. You can also address Jesus individually. The only example I can think of right now is Stephen. Mm-hmm. When he was being stoned, he lifted his eyes and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Yes. Yes. And Thomas, when Jesus was risen from the grave, he said, my Lord and my God, and he bowed down and he actually Mm -hmm. worshipped Jesus. He actually worshipped him. Because that's who Jesus is. He is God. Mm -hmm. Because he taught us to pray to the Father, and here he's modeling it, Mm -hmm. that's our MO. That's our modus. That's our standard. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So he lifted up his eyes. Father, the hour has come. Glorify the Son, uh, that the Son may glorify you. It's it's very clear again that Jesus knows what's going to happen to him, Mm -hmm. that he realizes this is the end of his earthly ministry and almost the end of his earthly life. And so once again, he's continuing to prepare his followers for that. And he knows that he will be glorified. And he's talking, I think, specifically about the cross here. It is in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that God is most glorified. Mm. So he's kind of moving toward that and preparing the disciples for that. I agree that the hour has come. That's a phrase Mm -hmm. we've seen in the negative a lot in the book. Yeah. When he was That's gonna, true. When Mary said, Oh, they're out of wine, he said, My hour has not come. Yeah. When yeah. they when they were trying to arrest him, he said, The hour has not come. Yeah, there was a plan. There yeah. was a purpose. Yeah. But now is the hour has come. The hour has come. That he would glorify the Father. In a sense, all of Jesus' mission and ministry and life on earth was for the glory of God. But it's also notable that he didn't just want glory in a selfish way just for mm-hmm. himself, but he said so that the Son may glorify you. 
Absolutely. In other words, there's a reason for the prayer. Mm-hmm. And lo- that's another thing I think non-believers don't get about prayer. What's the point in praying? Well, Jesus prayed and he gave reasons supporting the prayer, yeah. not because God needs to be convinced of something or we're going to change God's mind. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we should talk about some of the reasons why Why do we pray? If God knows everything, mm-hmm. why would uh, he ask us to ask him for stuff? If he already yeah. knows what we need in advance, why doesn't he just send it on a Uber Eats car? Yeah. <laughs> why do we have to place the order? That's true. And, and that's it's really a key point that, once again, prayer... Um, Creation of human beings, creation of the world, uh, salvation, worship, none of those express needs that God has. Mm -hmm. God has no needs. He doesn't need us for anything. Desire, yes. He desires relationship with us. He desires to be glorified. Relationship. Yes, and that's important. But there is no need in God. Mm -hmm. And just like we don't need to say a prayer to activate God so that he does what we want to, it doesn't work that. That way. Prayer, some churches teach that, though. Some churches that, do teach that, which is why I bring yeah, it up. Thank you. Um, but prayer in, in a real way, it is real communication with God, but it changes us mm. more than it changes God. It conforms our wills to His. We're submitting mm-hmm. our will, like Jesus prayed in another gospel, mm-hmm. not as I will, but let your will be yeah, done. Yeah. Yes, we request things from Him. James mm-hmm. says, you have not because you ask not, yeah, yeah. and when you ask, you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures. On your pleasure, yeah. God knows what we need, but he delights when mm. we ask him. It's like my children, before my daughter got her driver's license, she would say, oh, I have to go somewhere. So I was like, okay, do you have something you want to ask me? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was, I was trying to train her to, yeah. like, just, you know, be assertive. Say, yeah. what What are you asking for? You already knew what she needed. I know what she you needed. You knew what she needed. But I God knows what ask. we need. Yeah, exactly. You know, does my wife know I love her? Yes. So, why should I tell her? Well, because we're in a relationship. That's it's, right. Uh, communication is part of a healthy family and a yeah. good, good united home. Yeah. It's the same with a relationship with God. Yeah. Prayer is a normal part of the Christian life. Absolutely it is. And it, it is a blessing, too. There times of prayer where God has worked on me in incredible ways. I mean, I could go yeah. on and on about that. I'm sure you would say the same thing. But this is good. Let us know. Do you pray? Do you have a relationship with God? Of Do you pray often or not often? Do you pray as often as you think God wants you to pray? I'll be honest. I don't think I pray I, as often as I should. I know I don't pray as often mm. as I should. We want to encourage you to pray, and mm-hmm. and uh, this encourages us as well. Yeah, you know, we do pray for you guys who are listening. We we want to make sure that I mean, when we started, you know, the recording today, one of the things that we prayed was that we would say the right things and express things in a way so that we glorify God and so that it is um, helpful, yeah. so that it is encouraging, so that it is convicting to you guys, so that you can draw closer to God. That's yeah. what we want for everybody who's listening to this show. I do like that Jesus in this first section, as we're looking at three sections today. Mm -hmm. The first section, he doesn't bring up any physical needs, other people. It's really about connecting Mm -hmm. with the Father and just pouring out his heart with where he's at in life, near the end of his earthly ministry. And so, wherever you're at in life, pray in your own words. That's one point I would say. You you could open the Bible 
Bible and find a bunch of prayers. Maybe some of them are appropriate to where what you're going through right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe Psalm 51 is an appropriate place for you to read if, if there's any sinner's prayer in the Bible. That's probably the best one. But maybe you're a believer and there's things in this prayer that you can glean from, draw from. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. But the starting point is in relationship. Mm-hmm. So do you have a relationship with God? If so, the rest of this time we're going to be talking to people who want to pray. Yeah. So you probably won't be listening if, <laughs> if you're not a believer. But hey, there's there's a chance someone might become a believer today. So yeah, that's, that's what where we, we hope start. for. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking about chapter 17, 2 and 3, and what's powerful here is once again, as with the whole of the book, and it's so important for us to see it, is the identity of who Jesus Christ is. The Mm -hmm. possibility of some people saying that, you know, he's just a good teacher, he's just a man who, you know, wanted to point people to God. The things that he says here make that impossible. Mm -hmm. Since you have given me authority over all flesh, he has authority over all flesh, that's Mm -hmm. a big statement, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So Jesus Christ is saying, you have given me the right and the ability to give eternal life. Wow, that's a big thing. Wow. <laughs> and no this, one else can claim that. No, nobody else can yeah. claim that. And and in verse 3, again, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So in order for people to have eternal life, they need to not only know God the Father, but they must know Jesus. They must know Jesus Christ. He's saying this about himself. It's kind of an interesting sentence grammatically. It is. Because it kind of sounds like this is the definition definition of eternal life, or mm-hmm. this is the purpose of eternal life, mm-hmm. that they would know you, that they would know God. And there is some truth to that. The whole reason that heaven is heaven is because God is there. That's right. The That's whole right. meaning of having eternal life, a life that never ends, is knowing God and mm-hmm. enjoying Him, Absolutely. glorifying Him yes. forever. So it's that's the whole purpose of eternal life is knowing God. And without knowing God, uh, that's that's hell. Yeah. That's hell. Yeah. In a figurative and literal way. But also it's kind of clunky with, I'm not being critical of Jesus's words here, but I've heard people try to use this to say, see, Jesus separates himself from the true God. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. Yeah. But again, I'm not a Greek scholar either. Mm. I've heard in the Greek that it actually connects the true God and Jesus is part of the true God. And that would fit with the doctrine of the Trinity. So it's not the text that's clunky, it's the English translation might be a little bit clunky because it's it's a hard concept to really put into words. You know, because it's so unique. It's different than anything we experience anywhere else in life. I mean, he says it perfectly. It's just our ability to grasp. It can be misunderstood if if we don't view it through the lens of the entire scripture. Yeah. Yeah. What is eternal life and what is God? Like, those are difficult. Little concepts to talk. Unless the Holy Spirit (laughs) opens people's eyes. Yes. It can be easily mistaken. It can. Misunderstood. Absolutely. And so we go on to, you know, the, the verse that I actually handled first because it's one of my favorites. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So eternity and Jesus sharing God's glory, once again, things that could never be said of a mere man. When we read the Bible, we want to know mm-hmm. what we're supposed to know. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to be just hearers of the word, but doers mm-hmm. of the word. And Jesus, for himself, as the perfect man, he lived the perfect life we should have lived. Mm-hmm. And he died the death we deserve to die. But speaking about his life, he said, I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Yes. 
Jesus is more than just a model. I'm not、mm-hmm. saying that he's only a model; he's our savior. But as our model, he also accomplished the work God gave him to do. Amen. Do we have a work? Like, is God giving us a life work to do?、Mm-hmm. And do you, who's listening to this, do you know what God's calling you to do? You know, it's not just get your fire insurance, believe, and <laughs> and you'll see him in heaven. But he has a life for you to live. And he has work for you to accomplish. Yeah. As Christians, we're part of the body of Christ. We're given different gifts, different callings. Dan and I are evangelists and yeah, missionaries. Yeah. And so the way that we glorify God is by doing the work that God calls us to do. Yeah. And to do it for His glory, not for our own. Amen. Now, for some of you, and I just say this from a personal perspective, for some of you, you may not, you may be a believer or, or an unbeliever, and it may not be clear what God's purpose for you is. And I just. Want to encourage you to keep pursuing that. I mean, as an as a missionary, it took me a, a long time in my Christian life. I don't know whether how much of this was just God's plan and how much of this was my failing and not looking at things the way I should have. But it was a while before it became really clear to me what God's purpose for me was in evangelism.、Mm-hmm. It wasn't my first choice.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was pretty much my last choice.、Um, but you know, be patient. Keep seeking after God. Keep reading His Word and praying, and、yeah. He will make your purpose clear to you. But wouldn't that be great if, at the end of our lives, we could、mm-hmm. say we've accomplished the work that God gave us? To Amen.、Do. Amen. And when, and then when we pass into eternity, to hear Him say, "Well, well done, done, good and faithful servant." I'm praying for that day. Yeah, I really am. So maybe you need to change your life, your career, your situation that you're in. If you're not pursuing God's plan for your life, it's time to repent, turn、mm-hmm. around, and change your mind about the direction you're going. Because th- really, there's nothing more full. Fulfilling and satisfying than a fulfilling His plan for、yeah. your life. As long as you're drawing breath, there's still time. So,、yeah. you know, today is the day of salvation.、Yeah. Today is the day when you can, you know, find your purpose by God's grace. So we want to move on to the next section.、Yeah. The next section, as you beautifully outlined it in the beginning of the show. If anyone's just tuned in, we're in John chapter 17 and verse six through 19. Jesus specifically mentions and prays for His disciples. The,、mm-hmm. the immediate. Eleven that are there, left over from the Last Supper. Judas yes, isn't there. Judas is gone, and he's not yet praying for us, future believers. Well, he, at least he doesn't mention us, future believers, until verse twenty.、Yeah. Jesus had a very close group of people、he、that、did. spent three plus years with、mm-hmm. him, night and day. Was a very intense missionary discipleship program <laughs> that he <laughs> led. So, and you know, like we talked about last week on the show, the、uh, disciples were stressed out that he's leaving them. Yeah. And Jesus was under a lot of stress too, because he was going to be going to the cross. But here he takes the time to pray for those who he had been ministering to and to commit them to the Father. Amen. Shall we read it? Yes, let's do that. So, why don't you go ahead and start? I started last time. All right, verse six of John chapter seventeen. I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them. The The words that you gave me, and they received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. 
I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and the These things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Oh, wait, did I read that already? No. It just, it repeats. (laughs) (laughs) They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you say, me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Yeah. Good stuff. So just the subject of this section mm-hmm. is they. It's the, And it gives qualifiers mm-hmm. for who they are that yes. he's praying for. He's not praying for everybody. He's not praying for everybody. It's a specific prayer for believers. Yeah. They have believed that you sent me. Mm-hmm. So I'll break up these last two big chunks of chapter 17. He prays for those who have believed mm-hmm. for him, and he prays for those who will, will believe. believe. Yes. Very easy, simple outline. I like, I like it when it's simple like that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good thing. It makes it easier. But we might get a little bit more complicated in, in our exposition of these things. So, Dan, what do you have to share on this section? Well, we'll just go verse by verse. So, it starts by saying, I have manifested your name. And so he's, Jesus is talking about displaying or making known, making evident the name, the character God's authority and his cause. Mm -hmm. He's made God's plan and purpose evident to the people whom God the Father has given him out of the world, talking about the disciples. So God has given this particular people to his son. And uh, some people think that that's odd, but I mean, we see that with the nation Mm -hmm. of Israel as well, um, that God has a plan and purpose for his people. Yours there were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So there is a plan behind what now we know of as the church. They belonged to Jesus. Yes. We don't often think about it in those terms, but that's really what was going on when they chose to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. It was the Father saying, this one is yours. I like that verse when... More people started following Jesus than John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. John said, a man can receive nothing unless it's given to him given from to above. Him. Yeah. And he rejoiced that people were going to Jesus because he's, he's the yeah. bridegroom and the bride right. belongs to him. That's right. And that may seem a strange analogy to people outside, but within scripture, it talks about the church as the bride, the one being beautified and specially prepared for this marriage ceremony, which is going to be the end of the world and the new heavens and the new earth where there will be a unity of relationship Mm. between the church and God that we can't even imagine yet. And it's a neat analogy because it's really talking about intimacy with God. And there's a neat descriptor that kept coming up. I even said, did I read this before? Mm -hmm. He emphasizes that they are not of the world. Mm. Now, Jesus is the only one here that came from heaven down to the earth. The rest of us and all of Jesus' followers are just normal human beings. 
human beings that were born in in the world, but they don't belong to the world. They don't have the world system of like First John two says things of the world that are not of the Father. The lust mm. of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Those are not of the Father, but they're of the world. When you become a Christian, you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You become a new creature in Him, and you no longer belong to the world. Yeah, you right. may be in it, but you don't have to be of it. You yeah, totally different it. kind. Mm-hmm. Totally different kind. Because of course, would be through sin we're separated from God. Through salvation in Jesus Christ, we're brought yeah. back into unity with God, and it takes us out of this sinful world in a in a real way. Yeah, even though not in a physical way yet. But it doesn't mean they're perfect. No, they no. still need a lot of prayer. Definitely. <laughs> Let's see how Jesus continues yeah. to pray for them. Verse 7. Now we know that everything that you have given to me is from you. Yes, verse 7. So all that are given to the Son are from the Father. This is one of those kind of unusual, hard-to-grasp relational things between mm-hmm. the Father and the Son. Um, even though they're both God and they're one in being, there is still a relational aspect to that. Um, for I could say the same thing about everything we have. Doesn't Paul say to the, one of the churches, what do you have that you did not receive? That's true, yeah. But Jesus, especially being God in human form, the Son of God, mm-hmm. he came with the authority from the Father. Yes, indeed. So verse 8, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So the son's words are from the father. The disciples received and accepted them and believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So another strong statement about his identity and God's word, God's true word coming through him. That's the process that still happens today. Faith comes by hearing and and hearing by the word. So there's some verbs in here that if you haven't done these things yet, then you should. This is how you become a Christian. Mm -hmm. You hear the words of Jesus, you receive them, and you come to know in truth who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And then you believe that he is sent from heaven for you. There's a real sense in that the the whole pattern of of salvation is in that that verse. Mm -hmm. Hear, receive, know, and believe. Have you done Mm -hmm. those things? Yeah. Yeah. You're hearing right now. I hope that you will believe if you're not yet a believer. So believe and join us. Verse 9. Yes, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So this prayer is not just a general generic prayer for everyone, but in this case, he is specifically praying for the disciples and for the future church. He said, I'm not praying for the world. You never see Jesus saying, please give us world peace. No, that's true. There will come a day. It's not coming yet. You read the end of Book of Revelations, you'll see what that looks like. (laughs) Jesus prioritizes praying for believers. Yes. That's the the Christian world that he -hmm. he loves and cares for the most. If you want to be the target of Jesus's love and affection and prayers, you have to be a believer. You got to be in. God is working his plans and purposes by Jesus Christ through the church. Verse Verse 10, 10, yes, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I think I'm going to go on to 11 if that's okay. And I am no longer in the world, but they're in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me 
that they may be one even as we are one. Mm. So there is a unity in the purposes of God through mm-hmm. the church. And he's saying that he is glorified through his church. Mm-hmm. That, that is our primary purpose, twofold, to glorify God and to have relationship yeah. with him. I believe that's what we've been created for. And that's God's purpose for us. Every word in this is important. Mm-hmm. There's a little tiny word, in. Mm-hmm. I'm glorified in them. Mm-hmm. It's true that he's glorified through through us as we're serving him, as we're presenting the gospel to the world. But there's a sense in which we need him to be glorified in us. In other words, do we think highly of God? Do we have Mm -hmm. a high view of who God is? You know, it's telling when someone, like I was thinking about our live radio show last week. Yeah. Someone called in and said, why is God such a bloodthirsty God? Mm. It's like those words, like just zeal for the Lord's glory. I had to be a little bit confrontational with him and just call that out. Like, that's a really poor view of God that you have. And you should never speak of him in that way. God has revealed his glory to us Mm -hmm. in a way that we want to honor him. Honor him in our thoughts. Honor him in the inner man. Loving him from our heart and minds and our souls and all of our strength. Kind of shows the natural heart of the unbeliever, sadly. Mm -hmm. People just don't understand who God is, and they're not capable of giving him the glory he deserves apart from a changed heart. Yeah. Until he's glorified in you, Mm -hmm. it will be hard to see him be glorified through you. That's true. Very true. Verse 11 of John 17, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Yeah, I was tripped up a little bit on that phrase, I'm no longer in the world, because Jesus is in the world still as he's reading this. But it made me think about like when I quit my job, Mm -hmm. like I was saying goodbye to everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't work here anymore. Yeah. I'm on my way out. Yeah, I think he's projecting forward a little yeah. bit there. Because, yeah, he's still there, but uh-huh. his, his earthly ministry is done, I essentially. I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Mm. Let's talk about that unity, because I've heard this verse misused by yes. uh, Benny Hinn. Yes. He went so far as to say that people are part of the Trinity. Isn't that blasphemy? That's, <laughs> that is that's, absolutely that's blasphemy. But And I looked at this, too. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So he's talking about the unity within the persons of the Trinity and comparing that with what the unity within the church of Christ should be. Mm -hmm. There should be unity around who God is among true believers in a similar Mm -hmm. way to the way that there is unity between the Father and the Son. And here I would agree with the Mormons. It sounds funny to say say that. You're scaring me here, Brian. Uh, But they don't believe that they're one in person, but I believe that they are one in person. Correct. But the way they get out of it is they say, God, the Father, and Jesus are one in purpose. And that's true. That's that's, true. That's what I agree with. Yeah, I know, I know. And so, in that sense, the church can be one in purpose, just as the Father and the Son are one in purpose. We can't be one in kind or nature with God, but we can be one in purpose with God through the work of the Spirit. All right. Verse 12? Yes. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Mm. Keeping and guarding. Mm -hmm. 
not lost. Yeah, that's right. So we are protected by God. When we are part of his church, when we have repented and trusted in him, God protects us. He preserves us. And it seems that in this section, it's specifically not even talking necessarily about physical protection, but about spiritual protection, that we're kept in his name, Mm -hmm. we're kept faithful, because the son of destruction, which of course is referring to Judas, Mm -hmm. he has been lost. He has been spiritually lost. Physically, he's still alive and doing Mm -hmm. just fine. He's off talking to the high priest and getting them to arrest Jesus. But God protects us spiritually. Mm protects our our faith Mm -hmm. and our ability to keep following after him. Yeah, that was first seen, and that was Mm -hmm. in the scriptures that he said that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He had to be betrayed by a close friend. He lifted up his heel against him. That's right. Jesus was the good shepherd, Mm -hmm. right? He said that about himself in the book of John. And part of a shepherd's job is to keep the sheep Mm -hmm. from destruction, uh, keep wolves out. Mm -hmm. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. Mm -hmm. He protected them from from all the times the Pharisees would like give some accusation. Yeah, yeah. Why are your disciples not keeping the Sabbath when they're walking through a grain field and plucking some yeah, yeah. something to chew on and they're breaking the Sabbath and he defended them. He did. He multiple occasions. He kept them and, and this is important too in verse 12 he's saying while I was with them as he's leaving them he prays that the Father would protect him. I'll just Correct. Move, that moves us forward to verse 13 yeah, if please, it's alright. But now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. So his keeping power while he was in the flesh was successful. Yes. Now that he's going to the Father and going to be sending the Spirit, they're going to be kept in a different way. The Holy Spirit is convicting us and leading us and Mm -hmm. filling us. He's praying to the Father, so the Father also has a role. Those verses about being in the Father's hands and being in Jesus' hands, that no one can snatch us out of his hands. Yes, yes. Now you get to talk about eternal security. <laughs> well, I do believe that that's the case. And, and and it's because we are kept as believers in Christ. We are kept by God. We are kept by the Spirit. And it says that no one is able to snatch us out of the Father's hands. That gives us tremendous peace and, and tremendous confidence in knowing that our means of security is not in ourselves and in our own behavior, um, our own goodness, but in the goodness of mm-hmm. God. Because his goodness is beyond anything that we can imagine imagine. Yep. Well put, Dan. Good job. (laughs) When it comes to eternal security, there's different camps in how we interpret how secure believers are. Ultimately, he who endures till the end will be Mm -hmm. saved. That's how you know who's kept, right? Those who still have faith at the end of their lives. That is true. That is true. So, endure, Barnabas said in the book of Acts. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Amen. So, endure. But he keeps us. There's joy in that. All right. Verse 14. Yes. So, 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 15 says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. This is important because it seems to me that some Christians just want to be taken out of the world. Mm. They're just kind of like sitting back on their laurels, trying to keep themselves protected and waiting for Jesus to come again. And there's great Mm. hope in that. But at the same time, God has us here for a purpose. You know, as Mm. you talked about earlier, every one of us has a 
has, has something that God has prepared us for. Mm-hmm. And uh, rather than just saying, let's get out of here as quickly as possible, we need to be looking for that purpose and walking through that purpose. I think the balance is, like Paul said to the Philippians, mm-hmm. I desire to depart yes. and be with Christ, but it's more necessary for you that I remain mm-hmm. and being convinced that God has me here for his purposes. I'm going to be here until he calls me home. Yeah. And I think about that actually mm-hmm. fairly frequently, you know, hanging out with family members yesterday who are in their, you know, mid working toward their late 80s. There's a time when I'm going to walk out of this world. Mm-hmm. And I wonder every once in a while, how many years I have left? Mm-hmm. How many years can I serve God? Part of me would really like to be in heaven now. But honestly, a lot of the time I don't think about it because I'm, yeah. I'm excited and blessed to have the kind of work that I do that, man, I want to live to 90, 100 years old mm-hmm. and see what else God has to do through yeah. me. I think there's also a lesson from verse 15 mm-hmm. about what does it look like to live a life for God? And some people would assume, well, if you're going to be totally set apart for God, you have to leave the world, go to some monastery somewhere, yeah. be cloistered up somewhere and just be repeating endless repetition prayers and deny every all access to the world. Like that's not part of his plan for the disciples either. He's no. planning to send them out into the world, but the, he emphasizes they're not of the world. So we are to be in the world and not just cloistered off into be with those religious people. And in a sense, we want we would like to go to heaven. We yeah. do. We do want to be there. We do want to be there. But even though we don't belong to the world, we do belong here for this life that God has. Yeah. In that sense, we do need him to keep us from the evil one. That's right. Because there's the assumption, the rest of scripture teaches that, that Satan is the God of this age. Yes. He's the God of this world. Mm-hmm. People are walking according to the course of the prince of the power of the air. Mm-hmm. which is Satan. Yeah. We all were among them, but as believers, he's chosen us out of the world. Yes. He says, you're mine. You've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of yeah. our God. Love that passage. And one of the things in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus did teach us to pray is deliver us from the evil one or mm-hmm. deliver us from evil, depending mm-hmm. on your translation. Here he says, keep them from the evil one. Absolutely. I don't know if I pray enough, Lord, keep me from the evil one. But I do find a need to pray, Lord, deliver me from temptation, mm-hmm. deliver me from laziness. Yeah. But there is a real you spiritual know. aspect to it, that, that we have God who loves us. We have a, a Savior who died and rose for us. Um, but we also have an enemy who hates us and who is going to do whatever he can to to trip us up. Yeah. Well, we need to get to the next section. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else to wrap up this middle section about Jesus's prayer for these disciples? Sanctify them in the truth, verse 17, and the word sanctify comes up again in verse 19. So what does sanctify mean or sanctification? Yeah, and that's an interesting question, particularly in verse 19, because we have it used in two different contexts. Jesus says, for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. And it's actually the consecrate and sanctified are the same words in Greek, but it means to be set apart for God. Sanctification is usually used as the process of the believer in Christ coming closer to the image of Christ through the work of the mm-hmm. Spirit. That, you know, when when we are saved, we don't just stay in that same condition of thought and, and heart. 
Um, so God changes us and makes us more like him. God is holy. Yes. And the, the root word for sanctify is holy. Yes. Hagios yes. in Greek, right? Yeah, holiness, yes. Um, hagiazo is to mm-hmm. make holy. To make holy. Which we understand we haven't achieved perfection. We're not perfectly holy, even though we've been walking for the Lord for 20-something years, maybe mm-hmm. for you 30 years. I don't yeah, know. 30, 30 plus. So we understand on a, for us, it's a, it's a lifelong process of being sanctified. And we won't be completely holy until we're transformed in his presence Mm -hmm. with a new body. But for now, we're still waiting for the redemption of our bodies. But for Jesus, he was completely holy already. And so the the sense in which Jesus said, I sanctify myself or I consecrate myself has to do with a devotion of Mm -hmm. here I am. I've lived a holy life, which only he could say. Mm -hmm. And now I set apart myself for your purposes. That's Mm -hmm. literally what sanctified means. And yes. God's holiness is, I don't know how, how you have some good definitions well, for God's holiness. Yeah, holiness is kind of means two different things. I mean, the kind of the common use is, is some kind of a religious, you know, artifact or totem or place, you know, that is special. Um, but, but it has to do with two things. It has to do with an otherness, a set-apartness, a mm. uniqueness. You know, God is, set up, is holy in ah, that yes. way. And we are to be set apart for him. Yeah. Um, and then there's the other aspect is moral purity, mm-hmm. absolutely moral okay. perfection. God is both of those already. That's a good way of thinking of you it. Know? Yeah. He is other than us. He is set apart. He is yeah. unique and special, but he is also perfectly morally pure. Right. We want to be set apart and we want to be working toward, through the power of the uh-huh. Spirit, moral purity. The more morally pure and obedient we get, the closer we are to the image of Christ. So there are steps to take, growing in holiness. Mm-hmm. But what I like about this prayer is that Jesus is praying for us to be sanctified. It is also a work of God. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it results in good works. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't make ourselves holy by our works. No. But as he sets us apart for his purposes and we submit to that, we consecrate ourselves like Jesus did. He's the perfect man. So in that sense, as a man, it's in, more in his humanity that he can say, I consecrate myself. Yeah, yeah. Not that he was unholy and becoming more holy like mm-hmm. us, but it's just a model for us of complete, as Andrew Murray wrote in his book, absolute surrender. And I think we'll see that later in not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was able to perfectly and humbly submit himself to the Father's will through the Spirit. That is the direction we are headed, not by our own power, but by his. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about sanctification is we got to move on. And this ties in with the name of the show, Dwell on Truth. Mm Mm-hmm. As Jesus said in verse 17, so key, sanctify them or make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. So the name of the show is based on this, that the truth can set you free, Jesus said earlier, but the truth can also sanctify you. The more you get into the word of God, yeah. the more you, you know the truth, and the more that truth will have a cleansing and a holifying, I just made up a word, <laughs> a holifying effect yeah. in your life. Yeah. And it really is about God's word. Your word is truth. And I think that mm-hmm. applies both to, I mean, in the context, it applies, of course, to the Old Testament, yeah. which would have been the scripture for the Jews. Yeah. But the whole 
you know, beginning of this chapter, Jesus is saying, Father, you gave me yeah. these words right there. And that's there. why it's so important to go to a Bible teaching church, yep. friends. Yep. As much as this radio show is to be dwelling on truth, we want you yes, to dwell yes. regularly, meditate on his word, be taught the truth. When I give a Bible to a new believer, I like mm-hmm. to write in there, this book can keep you from sin mm-hmm. or sin can keep you from this book. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Final section in our final minutes here, as we uh, look at Jesus's prayer for his original disciples, he now Mm -hmm. extends it out to speaking and praying for whom? Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me Mm -hmm. through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. A couple of good nuggets I, I have. One, like I said, this chapter is a gold mine when it comes time to plumb the oh, depths of yeah. it. This has been used by some to suggest that all different denominations should come together in some ecumenical event because if we show the world how united we are, then the world will believe. Mm. And you can actually answer Jesus's prayer by joining this like yeah. interfaith thing or whatever. I think that's an abuse of the scripture, but mm-hmm. there's a beautiful truth that it actually does teach. And that that is, here's the main point. We've been praying for the original disciples, or mm-hmm. Jesus has been praying for the original ones. Now he's praying for all future believers mm-hmm. to be one with whom? With the original disciples. That's right. So I think the, the foundational truth of what Jesus is actually saying here is that all future believers should have the same faith as the original apostles. Mm. In other mm. words, that's good. we have the apostles' doctrine right here in the New Testament. We do. And the unity that Jesus is praying for is actually that future generations of believers would believe the same thing, be part of the same church that the original apostles were part of. And it that, is. that will help steer you away from groups that say, oh, we're the true denomination, mm-hmm. or you have to follow the Catholic uh, popes and the authorities yeah. down the line, and unless you're united with them, you're not part of the church. No, yeah. we're supposed to be united with the original yeah. apostles. And, yeah. and as far teachings. as you believe their wor- this word, you That's are. It. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. No, that's a good soapbox, and I agree. And hopefully, you know, Brenton and I are are an example of that. The unity that we have is in the teachings of the apostles, of the first members of the church, and the the person and work of Jesus Christ, the word of the Father given through Jesus to us so that we may glorify him. This is the basis for our unity. That's it. It's the Bible. It's the word of God. So we just got a few verses left. In verses 20 through 26, he's praying for the church that's going to come. So why don't we read through those real quick and and see if we've got any highlights in those. Um, I do not ask only for these, but also those who will believe in me through their word, Mm -hmm. that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Pause on that. Was Jesus's prayer answered? That there would be unity? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Within true believers, yes. If you pray according to the will of God, you have the request that you've asked. Absolutely. I, I, I don't believe that we answer Jesus's prayers. I think God no. has already created a spiritual unity. Yes. Between all true believers, mm-hmm. there's one invisible body of Christ. Yes. And then we have the visible expressions in the local churches. Yes. All right. That had to be said. Verse 22, the glory that you've given me 
I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. This is one of the things that we see, just a great blessing when we go out to the streets, is we'll have people sometimes there from four or five different churches, Mm -hmm. you know, joining together who don't agree on all the details, but are there because there is a oneness, there is a true oneness in the person and work of Jesus Christ and in his salvation. So that is something that we've seen worked out mm-hmm. in practical ways. Yeah. Verse 24, Father, yes. I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Is that uh, Jesus praying that we would go to heaven with him? I believe so. You know, as he was doing a couple of verses ago that he is projecting forward to his destination, where he was going to, because he was starting that walk from the physical world into the spiritual world. And he's our high priest, so he's he interceding here as a, the perfect high priest Amen. for our eternal life. Again, eternal life is about being with him yes. where he is. Exactly. And then the last couple of verses, he says, Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So you either know the Father or you don't know the Father. Jesus divides the people in those two categories. That's it. Either you know him or you don't. So as we wrap up today, I just want to, we do want to be your friends. We want to help you on this, this journey as you come to know Christ or as you continue to walk with him. But ask yourself, do you know him? Mm-hmm. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know the Father? And you can only know the Father through the Son. Have you read his word? Have you seen who he is? Not not according to us, but according to him. Go back and read the Gospel of John for yourself. Yep. Um, have you recognized who he is? Have you trusted in him and him alone, Jesus Christ alone, for your salvation, for right relationship with the Father, for eternity when we will be with him in heaven? for the salvation of your sins, the forgiveness of all your sins. And and if not, what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. You know, this is the one way we can have right relationship with God is through the person and work, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Yes. We encourage you to consider these things and then to call out to God to save you through the person of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and to confess your sins, to confess that, yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I have broken your law. Yes, I am deserving of judgment in hell. But yes, I am trusting in you, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of my sins, for bringing me into right relationship with the Father and for my eternity. Mm -hmm. You can be saved today if in your heart you are feeling the working of the Spirit. If you have this desire to humble yourself before God and cry out to him, we encourage you to do that today while he's given you time. Don't just know these things in your head, but Mm -hmm. do them. Yes. If you believe in your heart that Jesus has risen from the grave Mm -hmm. and you call upon him to be your Lord, all who call upon the Lord shall be Be saved. saved. Yes. And so don't just be a hearer of the words and the prayers of Jesus, but Mm. be a doer of prayer. Do pray. Maybe you've never prayed a day in your life and you need an, an example. Go to Psalm 51. And for those of you who have prayed, have called upon the Lord, are saved, get him plugged into a Bible teaching church so you can be sanctified, so you can grow 
in respect to your salvation, be a prayer. Yes. <laughs> and we'd love to end this program by praying for you. Mm-hmm. We want to pray for you who are listening today. Father, thank you so much for this time of prayer that we get to enter into. We acknowledge you as the one who sent Jesus into this world to live the sinless life, die on the cross, rise from the grave, and appear and send the Holy Spirit that you may be with us always. And you're preparing a place for us believers that we may be with you forever. And I pray for those who are not yet believers, that you would convict them of their sin and need for you, and that they would turn and trust in you today. I pray for the believers who have believed in you and are struggling in this walk, in this world. We pray that you would protect them from the evil one. Mm. We pray that you would sanctify them with your truth. We pray that you would unite them with true Christians, and we pray that you would be glorified in them, in their thinking, in their lives, and then be glorified through them, through the way that they love one another, receiving your love through other believers. So much of this growth happens in context of community, in a good Bible teaching church. We pray, Lord, that the 50 or so listeners who listen to this podcast, and however many radio listeners there are, that you would give us wisdom on how to better encourage and develop this community of faith, Mm. that we would be one. Amen. For your glory. Amen. I'm Dan Bodwin. And I'm Brenton Powers. You can email both of us at oacnorcal at gmail.com. And the website is oacnorcal.org. So that we can get in fellowship and in touch. And if we can encourage you, please contact us. Yes. May God bless you as you continue to dwell on truth. Amen.